This is the Skeptic Squared Podcast. A safe place to make light of sacred things. My name is Matt. And I'm Corinne. And in this program, we will be discussing current events related to religion, atheism, and skepticism. Our goal is not to insult believers, although that will probably happen from time to time, but rather to share our point of view on these topics in a way which will benefit and entertain others. Or maybe we just want to stroke our own egos. You decide. Welcome to the Skeptic Squared podcast. Today is May 23rd, 2016, and with me is my wife, Corinne. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Good. How are you? I'm a little under the weather, mm-hmm. um, so I may sound a little bit more nasally than usual. <laughs> right. I'll try to keep the uh, the coughing and the sniffles to a minimum. Sounds good. Um, to start with... We got a lot of different things. I have a ton of like shorter articles um, that I want to get through, but I thought it would be fun to start with something that I found on Reddit. Okay. That was kind of random, but it made me laugh. Um, so this is actually a post from Craigslist originally. <laughs> okay, so this is an ad on Craigslist. Okay. And it's titled "Pre 1800 Antiques One Thousand Dollars." Oh, I saw this. Did you see this? <laughs> yeah. <it's> for, um... <laughs> For Book of Mormon artifacts, right? Yeah, I saw it on Reddit. <laughs> um, it, right, so so it has a, a picture of uh, a character from the Book of Mormon, Captain Moroni, with his title of Liberty. He's surrounded by, well, you can't really see very many of the people, but it's presumed to be an army of, of uh, Lamanites or whatever. It's the, yeah, he's the stripling warrior stripling. guy, right? Yeah. Well, that's who is that in the picture? Did you say Moroni? This one, Captain Moroni. Right? Because it's Helaman with the stripling warriors. I always oh. get them mixed up, too. Well, that, that, that is the title of Liberty, though, right? I think so, yeah. Anyway, it's a super famous sure It's a super famous Mormon painting of yeah. one of the characters in the Book of Mormon, and he has um, you know, an army with him. They all have steel swords. He's got this very nice uh, plated armor on, on him, like a head, uh, helmet, and breastplate, and shield, <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, which, if you ask... Um, anybody who knows anything about ancient American history um, would not have existed during this time period um, of about, when would this have taken place? Around the time of Christ, more or less. It's like 2,000-ish years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, and so they wouldn't have had that kind of technology back then. They wouldn't have had steel. They wouldn't have had swords. They wouldn't have had that kind of metal armor. And so this is a, a point of contention among apologists and uh, ex-Mormons, and they, they keep going back and forth about, you know, what, you know, are these anachronisms? Or is, do we just not have any examples of it? Um, why can't we find any evidence of these big battles of millions of people dying with steel swords and armor and all that kind of stuff? Anyway, so here is what the... Uh, the ad actually says, it says, I am looking for old Mormon artifacts from the book of Mormon. I would like to purchase items from the days of the Nephites and Lamanites, such as shields, arrows, bows, knives, or any of the other items that might have been used in their battles. Anything would be great. I would also love to have maps, pottery, coins, statues, vases, or any artifacts from the large city of Zarahemla or Mulek. If someone had any writing in Reformed Egyptian, 
that was apparently used, I would like to see it. That was when I knew for a fact this was not <laughs> legitimate. He <laughs> 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 made it. Right. Made for a joke. <laughs> um, he goes on. It should be easy to find at least one item from a civilization that had millions of people with cities and large armies. The picture I included was directly off the LDS website, and it clearly shows swords, spears, breastplates, and shields. All that takes a developed people to make. Right. So the, the idea of the Book of Mormon is that these are basically... Um, like like Romans, like ancient Rome, you know, they have this kind of um, technology and metal working and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the things that are in the Book of Mormon mirror ancient Rome. But we know that ancient Native Americans didn't have that kind of technology. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're one of the only ancient, ancient civilizations that never went through the, uh, the Iron Age. Because right. um, Columbus came and discovered them before they got to that point. Um, continuing. Also, if any LDS people are out there that were dark-skinned and now change to, quote, white and delightsome, it would be neat to hear your story. (laughs) (laughs) So the term white and delightsome comes from the Book of Mormon, where uh, Nephi basically distinguishes between his people with the evil Lamanite people um, by saying that God cursed the Lamanites with dark skin so that they would not be attractive to his people, the Nephites, and they wouldn't intermarry. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most racist things you can ever find in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in Mormon scripture. Yep, And it carries throughout the entire book. It's mm-hmm. not just one spot. Yeah. And there are, there are a couple of places where the term white and delightsome comes, uh, com- uh, is used, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in some of them, they actually change it to pure and delightsome. They actually changed it um, a couple decades ago mm-hmm. in official, the, the, the official Book of Mormon. Um, but if you go to older versions of it, you can still find it with white and delightsome. But they didn't take all of them out. Right. Which raises the question, though, why are they editing God's perfect word? <laughs> and not for the first time. And not for the first time, right. Um, I would pay top dollar to any Native American that could prove his DNA was from a Jewish background. In 1857, Brigham Young declared that apostates would become gray-haired, wrinkled, and black, just like the devil. Any apostates out there that this has happened to, I would give $10,000 for an interview. (laughs) I am not interested in any biblical historical items, as they are not hard to find. I am only interested in Mormon pre-1800s items. (laughs) snarky so snarky but uh, a very good point Mm -hmm. and it's something that i've written about on my blog a number of times Mm -hmm. um because there's like you know there's there's a number of battles in the book of mormon where they say thousands of people die well in in one of the jaredite battles the one that they all basically like wiped themselves out with at least two million people died two million people in a single battle right I mean, that's insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, let's see. The next thing I want to talk about, this one won't necessarily be very long. It's more of an update. Um, a couple episodes ago, we talked about um, Tyler Glenn mm-hmm. and his video, Trash. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it caused a bit of a stir, mm-hmm. as uh, it was probably intended to. Mm-hmm. 
it was uh, very blasphemous and sacrilegious, and um, it kind of uh, it, it revealed some of the uh, sacred tokens and signs from the Mormon temple ceremony, which Mormons take an oath to never reveal. Mm-hmm. And up until 1992, I think it was, um, if they broke that oath, they vowed to um, slash their own throats and their and their bellies, kill themselves, honor killing, right? Mm-hmm. And there are um, you know tales of uh, people in like Brigham Young's day when they would have actually done that, but uh, it's it's hard to actually confirm those stories. Most of them are just rumors, right? But there were a lot of threats of that kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so... The FLDS still use that as a threat. Do they? At least under Warren Jeffs, they did. Hmm. Um, so, there were a few people that came out with responses, one of which was uh, Tyler Glenn's mom, who is a, a faithful member. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saved the quote, at least I thought I saved the quote somewhere, but I couldn't find it. Um, Anyway, her, her position basically is she uh, doesn't approve of what he did or what he said in his video or in any of his interviews, but she still loves him. She understands that he uh, is going through a, a difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's trying to be a supportive mom, mm-hmm. which I think is commendable. It's about as good as you could hope for mm-hmm. from a TBM, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. true believing mom. Is that what that stands for? Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the other... Uh, Responses was from another um, musician, Utah musician, um, a guy who fancies himself as James the Mormon, mm-hmm. um, who I guess is is becoming more popular in hip hop circles or rapper circles or whatever with his album or yeah, it's an album that he uh, he says he's not a rapper. He has another title. I'm not a rapper. Yeah. Um, so whatever that means. Anyway, he uh, he's coming out with a a counter video. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Tyler Glenn's video is called Trash, mm-hmm. and it talks about how the church treats him like he's trash because he's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is him kind of lashing out in a way, in a very angry sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the video that James the Mormon is working on which I thought was supposed to come out this week, but I haven't seen anything about it, um, is called Treasure. So taking a line from Tyler Glenn's video, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And he's kind of flipping it on on its head and saying, everybody's treasure. Mm-hmm. You know, the church believes that everybody's treasure. God it, it treats everybody like their treasure and all that kind of stuff. And it's very feel good. It's very, I don't know, it's sort of the Mormon version of hippy-dippy. You know, like... <laughs> like the one love kind of thing, but it's that's the Mormon version Mormon of it. That's all Mormon is, though, hippy-dippy. Like, that's not new. No, I mean, like, like hippie culture. It's the Mormon version of hippie culture. The, you know, we're all good, everybody loves each other, everybody's awesome. I still wouldn't say that's new, though. I'm not saying it's new. Oh. I'm just saying it's the Mormon version of hippie culture. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> um... But it, in a lot of ways, it misses the point that Tyler Glenn was making. It missed every point. Mm-hmm. It's not a counter. Right. <laughs> yeah, and after um, so many people went to James the Mormon's um, page, his Facebook page, and pointed this out, that mm-hmm. he missed 
every point that Tyler was making, mm -hmm. he finally stopped saying that it was a counter to Tyler's video. It wasn't about gay issues. Mm -hmm. It was just, everybody's a treasure, right. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was kind of disingenuous on his part, I thought. But at least he's, he's uh, you know, listening to what the other side is saying. Mm -hmm. um, I just wish that he was more honest about the pain that a, a faith crisis really uh, can inflict on a person, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like that I think is what he's missing. Like this isn't just about gay issues. This is a right. crisis of faith. Yeah. You because know. people that aren't gay still really identify with that video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, everything he sings about is accurate mm -hmm. <laughs> to every apostate's journey, basically. Yeah. Well, it, it, um, so, I mean, one of the big things is of course the, the temple stuff that's in the video. And a lot of people are outraged about it, mm -hmm. um, saying how disrespectful it is and how, how dare he right. um, do this. You know, like there's still people that believe this sort of thing mm -hmm. and hold it sacred. It has he no respect, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it reminds me of a, uh, a post that I did on my, on my blog a couple of years ago when um, I think it was Brian Williams the uh, news anchor mm -hmm. um, did a, an, a, not an expose, but just a, a spot on the Mormon church and mostly focused on humanitarian stuff. But um, he also talked about temple undergarments and he actually showed a picture of the temple undergarments. And uh, some of my relatives on Facebook um, responded again, mm -hmm. how disrespectful it was, how dare he, this isn't his to expose mm -hmm. um, some people said that, you know, he's an outsider, like, what, like what's he doing, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and for, I guess, Brian Williams, he probably doesn't understand how Mormons view it, but whatever. Um, but I posted the same picture on my, my blog, and I made the point that, that uh, it's only Mormons that aren't allowed to talk about it. Right. And when somebody um, who's raised in the church realizes that, realizes that the church... Um, isn't true. Um, them, I guess, talking about these sacred things and exposing these sacred things, um, in, in a way, it's them taking power back from the church that the church stole from them. Mm -hmm. By the church having these prohibitions, mm -hmm. they are putting power or taking power from the person. Right. It's a way of controlling them. Mm -hmm. And for an apostate to, um, you know, do the opposite of what the prohibition says, mm -hmm. uh, you know, talk about sacred things or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, then it's taking power back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a Muslim ex Muslim drawing a picture of Muhammad right. or a Jew eating a ham sandwich, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> um, right. Cause Jew, there's some segments of Jews that don't eat pork. Right. Right. Yeah. I always get that confused. I think if you are a Jew, like not just a cultural Jew, pork is not a, you don't eat it. Yeah, I, I I just get confused sometimes. I I can't always remember. They're kosher. Right. It has to be kosher. Yeah, so that was my update for James the Mormon and uh, Tyler Glenn, their little feud that's going on. It's not really a feud, though. Tyler Glenn hasn't really responded. Right, and, and why would he? Like, James the Mormon is nothing to Tyler Glenn. No. Um, I mean, if there was any type of quote-unquote feud, it would have been John DeLynn and James the Mormon. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really a feud. It was just... Mm -hmm. They talked to each other and resolved their differences. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of that. Because John DeLynn, um, I mean, sure, he's been excommunicated from the Mormon Church, but he still has a lot of connections with a lot of uh, you know very active Mormons, mm -hmm. very prominent Mormons. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be interesting to see if he could actually get 
somebody like James the Mormon on his Mormon Stories podcast and do an interview, and they could talk about, you know, like what James was really trying to do, and maybe like some ways that his views have changed or evolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was it like having hundreds of ex-Mormons comment on his video or his uh, his Facebook posts, mm-hmm. um, you know, encountering all the things that he's saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be an interesting conversation. Yeah. So get on that, John DeLynn. Yeah. He definitely seems like the kind of guy that wouldn't be against that. Mm-hmm. Just be another moment for him to be a missionary. Yeah. Okay. Um, you want to do one of your articles? Okay, so um, this, this article that I have, um, a friend of mine shared it on Facebook. Um. And it's called The Inseparable Link Between Porn and Human Trafficking. <laughs> and you and I have already kind of talked about this a little bit, so I don't know how much more we'll have to say. But um, basically, the biggest issue I have with this article is that it conflates all types of porn into one huge umbrella of porn, saying mm-hmm. basically that all porn is linked, obviously, to human trafficking. Right, like all porn is the same. Mm-hmm. And what you and I talked about is how that is not true, Mm -hmm. how the porn that actually is involved with human trafficking is already illegal, and how, like, legit porn sites and porn providers don't actually condone that type of pornography. Like, they shut it down as soon as they see it. Exactly. Because they have a vested interest in keeping that stuff mm -hmm. off their site, because if they don't, they will get shut down. Right. You know. Uh So the article itself starts off with... um, Let's see. The very first sentence. Porn is harmful to those who watch it and to those who create it. So right off, they're starting off with a pretty bold statement that isn't necessarily supported by any solid evidence. I mean, the evidence is divided as far as any of this goes, as Mm -hmm. far as, like, people who watch it anyway. Um, So that's, like, a huge... (laughs) Like, right off the bat, (laughs) it's like, I I can't get behind this article at all. Mm -hmm. Um. Then further down, it says uh, the porn industry is a sketchy industry to begin with, but when it takes a really dangerous turn is when porn involving sex trafficking victims is made and distributed. And like we said, it's already illegal for this. Um, Legal porn sites don't distribute this. Um, And the general population doesn't watch it. It's not that easy to find. It's not click of a button and suddenly you're watching snuff porn. Right. It's like you have to know where to look to find this stuff. Well, we didn't you find this um, like the day that we watched uh, Horrible Bosses, like the other day, the, the movie Horrible it, Bosses. It it was this. It might have been that same day. I don't remember. Right, but that's you, when we talked about we, it. Yeah, we talked about it. And and there's a scene in that movie when oh, uh, yeah. the, the main <laughs> characters are are contemplating um, killing their bosses, mm-hmm. right? Like finding a hitman to kill their bosses, mm-hmm. and they, and they have this conversation like. Wait, how do, how do you how find do you a hitman? <laughs> like, what what do you do? Like, you, do you go on Craigslist? Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> you right. know, like what what is the process? Uh-huh. And and most people, like the average person, wouldn't even have the first idea of how to do, uh, you know, that kind of illegal activity. Right. Um, you know, and, and I guess most people, if they have, uh, you know, a major city nearby, they they could start going down that road and and maybe eventually find something. But I mean, the risk of getting caught is, is, uh, you know, monumental. Um, you know, especially for something like a hit, but you know, drugs is another example. Like, 
Like, how would you go about finding a drug dealer? Because drug dealers are very cautious. They, it's very much a uh, you know who you know kind of mm-hmm. business. Right. They're not going to sell to somebody that they don't know or can't vet mm-hmm. um, beforehand usually, mm-hmm. um, because there's a high risk of them getting caught. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with pornography providers. You know, people that are doing it legitimately, they don't want to get caught selling. Um, the illegal stuff because then they won't be able to sell the legal stuff that they're making a ton of money on. Right. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And for the average person, they wouldn't even know how to go about finding the illegal forms of pornography, Mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, if you try to like Google it or whatever, like most uh, search engines have filters and won't even let you go down that path. Um, And for good reason, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they do make it very hard. Um, so, I mean, where are they getting this idea that it's feeding into this illegal activity? Right. You know, like just because they're similar doesn't make them the same. Uh-huh. Exactly. You know? And I think that's the most damaging thing to the the concept of porn mm-hmm. is this lumping together of all types of porn. Mm-hmm. It's like if you could differentiate between them and people could come yeah. to understand the differences, it wouldn't be so so demonized, I feel right. like. <laughs> but they're unwilling to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and what is porn anyway? Like it's exactly. different for different people. Exactly. And that's one of the things that really drives me crazy mm-hmm. about this whole porn epidemic in Utah oh, yeah. is that they, they, they can't even define it. No. And they won't define it because they want to keep it broad mm-hmm. so that it can have this umbrella effect um, to keep people from viewing even the mildest of pornography. Right. And um, my big question too is like, is it only the viewing of pornography? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever delved into the world of fan fiction. <laughs> Like like novels and stuff. Yeah, okay. like there are lots of online forums where people contribute their own fan fiction for like mm-hmm. favorite shows, favorite movies, sure. books, yada yada. Yeah, and a lot of them have subsections where it's just porn without plot with their favorite characters. So it's like you can like you're reading it. Huh. It's like you know yeah. a, a Harlequin novel or whatever. Hmm. You know. So it's like, does that is does it just does that qualify? Quali- yeah, mm. does that qualify? Right, like, because I mean, a lot most of the time, time it says porn. So if it's just like a search yeah. with the word porn in it, then I guess they could kind of take that out. But it's like I feel like these are things that they don't really consider. It's just viewing of like porn. erotic novels and things. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, because like even they, libraries carry books like that. Yeah, because most of the time when when like legislators uh, you know talk about pornography, they have in mind uh, you know magazines and videos right that's what they think of Mm -hmm. with pornography um but even so like like would you consider cosmopolitan magazine to be pornography well that's why they cover it up or uh you know sports illustrated yeah it's all soft porn Mm -hmm. yeah like even playboy now isn't going to have fully exposed uh you know nudes in their in their magazine Mm -hmm. like they're going the uh the more scantily clad route Mm -hmm. um like is that going to be classified as pornography now exactly you know yeah there are just so many things. And mm-hmm. people get turned on by a variety of different things. Like right. It's like it's not going to end the masturbation either, mm-hmm. you know, which I right. feel like is a huge part of this. Right. Um, let's those see. Those little factories. Yeah, those little <laughs> factories. <laughs> um, another uh, comment that they made in this article that I had to question um, Let's see, they say, how it ties back to the average porn viewer at home is that there is no way for him or her to tell if what they are watching was made illegally or if all parties are there willingly. Not true. Yeah. And when I read this, I mean, that was my immediate reaction, but I also wasn't Mm -hmm. 100% 
sure and then i thought about it more it's like you can research that thing mm-hmm. you know you can yeah. you can discover if where you're watching porn is like is legal if they're yeah. an actual entity I, I, again like the, the the big porn sites um they they're very very careful about what they actually put on their site right. like even the free ones like for example pornhub mm-hmm. that we we talked about a couple episodes ago that mm-hmm. they're, they're the site that uh, Revealed that Utah doesn't have um, as high a porn use as people seem to think mm-hmm. that it does. Um, like they have like legal notices, they have all kinds of stuff all over the site. Like, like it's like that's one of the ways that they protect themselves, mm-hmm. you know. And if anybody tries to post anything that's you know illegal or potentially illegal or problematic, mm-hmm. they'll just take it down, mm-hmm. you know. Right. It's just like YouTube. You yeah. know, YouTube has the same kind of mechanisms where, I mean, you can actually post adult content on YouTube mm-hmm. and people can go to it and they have to like click a little thing saying that they're over 18 and they, they're willing to view this, whatever. Um, but, but it's the same kind of thing. Like they, mm-hmm. like they have a vetting process and if it's illegal, they won't let you do it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So is there anything else in the article? Um, At the very end, it says, um, knowledge is power and being aware of the facts is an important step in decreasing the demand for these things to happen. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, yeah, I agree with that, but I think they're using it in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know, acknowledge in the negative view of pornography is what they're advocating. When really knowledge for what pornography actually is and how it really does affect people, you know. I think is the knowledge that should be acquired. Yeah. And I, I have a, a friend of mine, um, an, an old high school friend. I, I, I don't really know him very, very well. Um, but we kind of hung out sometimes in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, he's a Christian, evangelical Christian, I think, or Baptist or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and he has gotten involved in oh, the, the yeah the the uh, anti sex trafficking mm-hmm. movement or whatever that's been a, a growing movement within uh, the Christian community, and he's done a lot of good and he's he's uh, he's helped a lot of people get out of the sex you know slave industry or whatever especially mm-hmm. teenagers, mm-hmm. Um, um, especially on the the West Coast is, is where he works primarily, mm-hmm. and he goes on to different news programs and he talks to people like he's been on like. Uh, what is it, CBN, like the Christian Broadcast News or whatever. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, a few other, like Trinity Broadcasting, something or other. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, was it, Pat Robertson's network. Oh. Um, and he, he does these interviews and he talks about it. And sometimes, I, I've watched a few of the videos, and sometimes they bring up the idea that just pornography itself um, can contribute to the sex slave trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, and, and then they'll bring up the counter argument that, you know, legal porn doesn't actually contribute to that. Mm-hmm. And his response is, um, if I remember correctly, it's something to the effect that uh, that all forms of pornography are potentially bad. Like they're bad for the person and, and they're bad for society. And, you know, like we need to like stay as far away from this evil as we can and all this kind of thing. It, it, and, and even though he's doing all of these good things, mm-hmm. it's still coming um from a place that's not accurate right you know like like he's not correct on all of these ideas mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's and so he's on the one hand he's promoting a good thing getting teenagers out of prostitution mm-hmm. where it's illegal and uh like people basically being slaves right. um and on the other hand he's also promoting that any form of por- pornography contributes to this um 
this legitimate crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I don't even know what I would say to him if mm-hmm. I were to talk to him in person about it. It's like, cause he's coming at it from a, a totally different perspective. It's not about the science. Right. It's not about the psychology mm-hmm. to him. It's a moral issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a religious itch- mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. And, and so for him, he can't even entertain the idea that legal forms of pornography might not be bad, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which I think is, is, a, is a common thing in the Mormon church as well. Right. I think um, it's common, too, for, peop- for people who are against pornography to view, like, legal forms of pornography as kind of like the gateway drug. They're like, if you start mm-hmm. watching pornography, eventually you're going to move into, like, the more illegal forms of pornography, which will, you know, inevitably contribute to sex trafficking. So I feel, I, I feel like they don't, they don't have a lot of, like, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It's, I don't know. It's like the whole thing with marijuana, too. It's like mm-hmm. they think marijuana is a gateway drug. If you smoke marijuana, you're automatically going to transition into the harder drugs. But there's like a disconnect where it's right. like people don't need the harder stuff all right. the time, you know? Yeah, like there's there's a big gap between mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. other things contribute to those needs. Right. I feel like snuff porn, too, it's like... There's like a mental thing going on mm-hmm. in your head for a person to really want and enjoy watching that. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. So I've I've watched a few um, pretty graphic movies mm-hmm. in my day. One one movie in particular is called A Serbian Film. Um, it's just about the most graphic film. I could even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about the snuff porn industry in okay. Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a tragic, tragic story. I, I'm not exactly recommending people watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really like really gross graphic movies, then sure, go ahead, track it down. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like, like watching this movie, um, like, like sure, there's this, this kind of shock value and mm-hmm. like seeing them do these despicable things, these mm-hmm. horrible things in these movies, these, these uh, depictions of it. Um, but it wasn't like it was like a turn on kind of thing. It was just like, right. oh my gosh, like people do this, right? You know, and it, it was it was relevant to the character and the story that they were trying to tell, and blah blah blah. So like there was, you know, a storytelling element to it, like kind of like what we talked about with Game of Thrones, like why they mm-hmm. have like rape scenes and these mm-hmm. graphic murders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it it kind of drives the story. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was the case with this movie, but it's really graphic, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. It's like for a person to look at this material and to really enjoy it in a sexual kind of way, mm-hmm. um, which is what these anti-porn fanatics are, are saying is going to happen to mm-hmm. the average viewer. Right. I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling mm-hmm. that the average person would find that kind of enjoyment in this kind of content. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Watching it doesn't automatically flip some switch. Mm-hmm. And this was like, this is just a movie. Sorry. This was like, you know, this wasn't a real thing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think the article is disingenuous. And mm-hmm. I mean, it did have a graphic towards the end listing out all these like human trafficking statistics, which was probably legit and, mm-hmm. you know, well-informed. But the rest of the article, you didn't need. Yeah. So this is a uh, a good segue into one of my my other articles. Um, 
Utah lawmaker, this is from Fox 13, Utah lawmaker plans porn-blocking legislation for cell phones and libraries. So this is the same guy, Todd Wheeler, or Weiler, however you pronounce it. Yeah, I think it's Weiler. Um, who got the... Uh, the Utah legislation to pass the non-binding resolution that pornography is a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. um, a fairly meaningless statement in and of itself, but it, it, yeah. it's paving the way, and now we're seeing all the different ways that it paves the way, for them to enact real legislation that actually matters. Right. Which, I, I mean, I suspected that that's what was going to come next. Like, this was a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the first thing that he's trying to do. And the idea is that... Um, at, at least the way that he describes it. Um, well, here's a quote. Almost every kid in Utah is walking around with a smartphone, which is basically a vending machine for porn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, they think that porn and sex are all, these, all that these mm -hmm. kids think about. Right. But it's not. It's not. Yeah. And, uh, and, and one of the things that um, is interesting about this, so he... So his idea basically is that um, p pornography on cell phones will be an opt-in service. Like you have to, to tell the company that you want to be able to access pornography. Like the phone company, like right. Verizon or T-Mobile. Right. Yeah, oh. like that's what he's wanting this to be. Um, so that parents will have control over what um, their kids can access on their phones. So okay. quick question. Mm -hmm. Don't phone companies already have parental blocks that parents can put on their children's phones? Uh, maybe. I feel like that's a thing, but I'm not 100% well, sure on that. I, I don't know if phone services do, but there are applications that you can put on a phone mm, that will do that for you. Um, and he's saying that this is backwards. Like, that's the word that he actually uses. Is, is It should be an opt-in, not an opt-out. So right now, you can actually purchase um, applications that will do it for you. Um, he wants it to be a standard feature. And on the surface, it sounds like a, a decent idea, uh, but I was I was thinking about it, and this might have some unintended uh, consequences. For instance, if uh, one person on the plan wants pornography but the other one doesn't, or right. um, let's say like you and your sister shared a plan. Let's say that you wanted to have access to pornography but she didn't, or maybe vice versa. Mm -hmm. Would the other person find out about it? Would they know about it? Would it show up on your bill or something? Right. And you know? is it going to be like an extra charge right. to like, opt into it? Yeah. And, and or like, say, um, a kid turns 18, he goes to college for the first time. Right. He's on a family plan. plan. Um, will he be able to opt in discreetly without his parents knowing that it's going to his phone? No, because he's not the primary account holder. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, yeah. And, and so, like, this idea, like, he keeps... He keeps reassuring um, the naysayers that this isn't going to infringe on the rights of adults from viewing pornography if they want to. But I can see lots of ways in which adults will be, will be kind of pressured yeah. um, to, to not view pornography when they want to or on a device that they want to right. um, because of social pressures and shaming and all the kinds of things that, that Mormon culture already brings to the table, but they're going to branch it out even further to the phone that's in your pocket. Right. So now I'm, tr I'm so phone providers are worldwide though. So how right. does this actually work in Utah? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. 
I feel like that's not something the phone providers would be willing to do. <laughs> like, I feel like that would have to yeah. be a worldwide thing where everyone would have to opt into it. Yeah, I don't know how he could actually pass this. But it's not just phones that he wants to do this to. He wants to do it to, um, to libraries as well. Right. Again, I am pretty sure most libraries have mm -hmm. um, blocks on the internet already. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember not being able to access certain sites at the library when I used it. And I wasn't even looking for porn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so one of the things that he, uh, one of his quotes, this one kind of jumped out at me. He says, uh, if libraries were handing out tobacco to kids, <laughs> and McDonald's. we'd all be up in arms. <laughs> yeah. Yet, in some instances, they are, the pur they are purveyors of pornography. It's not appropriate. Which is just ludicrous for him it to is. compare it it's to It's not to the smoking. same thing. Yeah. It's, it's disingenuous because he's comparing something that, that actually has good scientific evidence to, to show that it has negative health effects, you mm -hmm. know, like on your physical body. Right. That is completely different from the, the evidence that they are pointing to for the uh, porn epidemic. Right. You know. I mean, and libraries are sources of information. That's where people go to research things, mm -hmm. you know. And, like, them handing out tobacco, like, that that doesn't follow at all. Like, that right. would immediately be thrown out the window because it has nothing to do with what a library is. Right. But putting up, like, internet blocks, that takes away what a library's function is. Which is just to provide information. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they're not advocating for people to come in their doors and sit down and watch porn. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want that. And if a librarian sees that, that person loses computer privileges. Yeah. And there are ways to track it because you have to use your library card to access the computer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Well, it, it just... It's it like, kind I feel of like this man has never sat down in a library and used a computer. <laughs> that could be. Um, it, it reminds me of when I was at BYU. Um, in my first semester, I didn't have a computer um, in my apartment. I had to use the ones on campus. Mm-hmm. And they have these, uh, you know, these little internet labs, right? Computer labs, whatever. And, uh, and it's usually, I mean, probably like 40 or 50 computers in, you know, a small space or whatever. It's usually kind of stuffy in there. <laughs> um, but they have a, a uh, I guess you would call them a lab technician or whatever that's supposed to monitor um, the room and just make sure that everything's nice. going smoothly. If anybody has any questions, they can help them, you know, that kind of stuff. They're, they're usually like, you know, computer science students or whatever, mm -hmm. but part of their job actually includes, um, using a program on their computer to view what's on your computer. Mm. And if anybody's trying to look up, um, anything that's inappropriate, they can actually shut down remotely their computer. Hmm. And ask them to leave, very politely. <laughs> <laughs> and then report them to the honor code. Right. <laughs> committee. Yeah. So, like, do we really want to have that kind of policing? Right. Like, in a library mm -hmm. or on our cell phones? Right. Like, like what business, business is it to anybody else what right. somebody does on their cell phone? Right. Short of the parent themselves. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, here's a, a quote from um, a guy named Dustin Fife. Okay. He's the president of the Utah Library Association. He's, okay. he's a 
Well, this is, this is his response to the legislation. He says, parents ultimately need to control their children. It is inappropriate for the state or the library to interfere on this matter. What is appropriate for my child might not be appropriate for Senator Weiler's child, and vice versa. We endanger the importance of parenting and the First Amendment if we continually build laws that intrude because laws rarely provide for nuance. Mm -hmm. Laws create hammers instead of paintbrushes. Mm -hmm which I thought was a really good point. Yep. Um, there was another quote down here from the uh, Free Speech Coalition. Um, let's see. It says, While no one wants children accessing adult material, these types of decisions need to be made by families and individuals, not the government. The fact of the matter is that filters like these cast a wide net and end up blocking tons of non-adult material exactly such as lgbt news sites yep. and information about sexual health and teen pregnancy mm -hmm. which are things that uh, I, I can see tons of like mormon teenagers being completely uncomfortable um letting their parents know that they are interested in those things oh yeah you know like yeah a, a gay mormon teen trying to find like a support group or whatever discreetly mm -hmm. And they can't access it on their phone. Like, right. where else are they going to be able to do it? Yeah. You know, not at the library. <laughs> not at the library. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or say uh, a, a girl gets pregnant and she doesn't know what to do, mm -hmm. you know, looking up information on, on, uh, you know, her different options and things mm -hmm. or, uh, Planned or Parenthood. Or even just wanting to get on birth control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be much more difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, so in a lot of ways it would just be a step backwards. Yeah. So, yeah, so no no word on whether or not this has actually been passed yet. Yeah, I haven't seen any actual bills come out. Mm -hmm. Just that this stuff is being talked about. Yeah. So, um... Oh, can I interject here real quick? Yeah. So I found something today on Facebook called Utah Politicians Don't Want a Porn Ban, They Want Mormons Off the Internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you see this? I, I saw somebody... It was probably on Reddit, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, it's just saying the Mormon church is so against, like, or is so for taking pornography out of the hands of, like, children and libraries mm. and stuff yeah. because of the information age and how much access people have to the Internet. So this is just another way to, like, villainize the Internet and information gathering and stuff, which mm. I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not entirely informative, but it's got some good points in there and i had never thought of that really before but it makes sense the connection between the two right that well, it's, is just it's, a natural scapegoat it's no secret that the mormon church has a uh, love hate mm -hmm. relationship with the internet right and right now they're citing more on hate mm -hmm. so i have a, a a couple shorter articles now um, that are kind of related to this whole idea of pornography and this uh, culture of shame that the Mormons have created for themselves in Utah mm -hmm. regarding sex. Um, so a few weeks ago, there was a high school teacher at Lehigh High, uh, high School oh. who, uh, well, she had, she, had, she had actually retired mm -hmm. um, and was just a substitute teacher for now. Um, she had been a teacher for 32 years at this high school. And she... Um, was teaching a class, a uh, just a standard like health class or whatever, and they were talking about sexual, um, you know, reproductive stuff and whatever. And in her discussion, 
she used two words which some students found so offensive that she was actually let go as a substitute teacher, told that she would never be allowed to teach at that school ever again. She'd be allowed to teach at other um, schools in the district, but not at Lehigh High School. The two words that got her into so much trouble that she will never be allowed back are condom and boob. <laughs> Those are the words that got a substitute teacher suspended. I can't believe it. In Utah. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's so sad. It's funny. Yeah. Like you can't even write this kind no, of stuff. No, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's yeah. Too if you wrote that in a book, the reader would not believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And it just, it's just a, another reflection of the kind of culture that Mormons have created in Utah. Um, another fun little um, article that I found. So this is um, about a, let's see, Republican candidate for Virginia's 8th district, Mike Webb. Um, so a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, um, he actually posted um, a snapshot from his computer, mm-hmm. which he, in which he uh, had forgotten to close um, at least two tabs that had pornography websites on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, so when you see this picture, um, it shows like the tabs at the top, and like the first two are two porn sites. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, this created a bit of a stir because he's a a Republican mm-hmm. and a very devout Christian mm-hmm. Baptist. Well, um, despite his hot water, he uh, <laughs> he has come up with an explanation. For why this would be. Is he doing research? Oh, oh no. Oh. Well, let, let me just read it. Okay. It's, it's a little bit long and kind of hard to follow. Um, he doesn't have the best grammar. Oh, great. Um, it says, curious by nature. I wanted to test the suggestion that somehow, lurking out in the pornographic world, there is some evil operator waiting for the one in a gazillion chance that a candidate for federal office will go to that particular website and thereby be infected with a virus that would cause his or her FEC, Federal Election Commission, data file to crash the FEC file application each time that it was loaded on the day of the filing deadline, as well as impact other critical campaign systems. Well, the Geek Squad techs techs testified to me after servicing thousands of computers at the Bailey's Crossroads location, that they had never seen any computer using their signature virus protection for the time period to acquire over 4,800 viruses, 300 of whom would require reinstallation of the operating system. Did you catch what, what, what the excuse is? Was he testing for viruses? <laughs> so he was saying that there is this evil operator on a pornographic site that put a virus on his computer, um, just waiting for him to go to this this random website and put a virus on his computer so that it would show up pornography on his tabs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's saying he didn't go to these sites... To it was a virus. Experiment with a virus. 
It was a virus that put the tabs up. Yeah. And it's crashing his computer. Crashing it so well he was able to take a screenshot? <laughs> right. <laughs> just to, just admit, yeah, just admit that this is a, a vice and that you, you have you know, weak will or whatever, like the standard yeah. you know, go, response. Yeah, go to porn rehab like Josh Duggar and then, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, that guy. Good grief. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought that was fun. That is fun. Yeah. I didn't I didn't put those tabs there. <laughs> um and, That's so and the last thing that I have in uh, the the porn news of this week. Okay. Um so we we talked about Pornhub. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a new website. It's actually separate from Pornhub itself. Okay. It is called Bangfit. Bang fit. <laughs> and without so getting too graphic. Is it like exercise? <laughs> without getting too graphic, it is um, essentially a series of, of animated videos showing you, um, well, let's see, explicit aerobic exercises to oh. help you get fit. Interesting. Which, now, now here's the connection. Okay. I love this. Because they are using what Utah calls a public health crisis to combat a real public health crisis of obesity. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So here is their, their opening paragraph in this article. Uh, the program features different type, types of exercises. Pornhub uh, released a YouTube video detailing the program on Wednesday. The exercises aim to, quote, fight against our sedentary lifestyle. <laughs> wow so yeah for the, the the more adventurous um fit nuts out there that's funny there you go <laughs> <laughs> i just couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about that <laughs> maybe it's a bit of a stretch but yeah, I, it's still yeah, funny it's fun yeah <laughs> okay so what's uh your other article did you have a clip you wanted to play Oh, yeah. I don't have any more on porn. Okay, so the last thing. Did I say the last one was the last thing? Probably. Probably. So this is the actual last thing. (laughs) This is the last thing now that I've reminded him. Right. Um, So this is a uh, a video on YouTube from Mormon Channel. That's the, the name of the channel on YouTube. This was shared by somebody on my Facebook feed, a relative of mine. So this is basically a Mormon Mormon training video on how to talk to your children about pornography and what they should do when they come across pornography. Okay. Um, And uh, before we get into it, I just want to say that I have mixed feelings about this video. On the one hand, I understand the idea of not wanting young children. I mean, most of the kids in this video are like 10 or 12. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, keeping them from pornography mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not where Mormons are going to stop with right. this. They're going to continue this all the way up until, well, forever. Mm-hmm. Like, this is basically standard procedure for Mormons. Right. Um, and I was thinking about it. Like, like sure, technically, pornography is um, illegal for people under the, the age of 18 to view. Mm-hmm. Um. But what's weird about that is that you don't have to be 18 to be sexually active. You don't even have to be 18 to get married. Mm-hmm. So is 18 really a good cutoff for adult content? Right. Um, 
and, and I don't have an answer to that. That's just a, a thought that I had mm-hmm. after I'd watched this video and was thinking about it a little, a little bit. It's like 18 doesn't seem like the right cutoff for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what would be the right cutoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't like the idea of leaving it solely up to parents to decide that. Right. Um, but again, you don't have to be 18 to be sexually active. Mm-mm. You know. Anyway, so here is what you, what I should do. Or, sorry, what should I do when I see pornography? Parents have the primary responsibility for teaching and protecting their children. This video is provided to assist them in that sacred purpose and is not for group instruction of children. Very important. <laughs> I have eyes. I have a mouth. I have a nose, hands, feet, ears, a stomach, a heart, a brain, fingers, a spleen. My amazing body is a gift from Heavenly Father. And the most important thing he wants me to do with my body is take care of it. Help it grow strong. Help it learn. Help it be happy. Help it be safe. So I'm going to pause it. Mm -hmm. The thing that jumped out to me the first time I watched this was, um, holy crap, they're about to say that if you watch pornography that you're not healthy, that you're not taking care of your body, Mm -hmm. that you're not taking care of your mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, makes sense from the Mormon perspective, but it, it, I don't know, it, it's kind of startling when you really think about it, that this is what they're teaching their children from this young of an age. Mm-hmm. Viewing pornography is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's going to be problematic for a lot of kids when they finally come across pornography um, and find that they like it, right. and then are, again, racked with guilt. Mm-hmm. Think that they're addicted. And think that they're addicted. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I love going out on the water with my family. My mom and dad have taught me to love and respect the ocean. They taught me to swim and be safe. They taught me to be careful in big ways, to be aware of corals, riptides, and dangerous plants and animals. If there is danger, I try to avoid it. When something dangerous happens, I learn that it's important to get help. When we know how to be safe, we always have a great time. Just like there are dangers in the ocean, there are dangers in the world, too. One of those dangers is pornography. Pornography. Pornography means bad pictures of people with little or no clothes on. But just... Did you catch that? Yep. So they just defined pornography. As pictures... With little or no clothes on. Uh, yeah, people with little or no clothes on. Right, so can we watch videos then? <laughs> Read descriptions. Right. No, it's still pretty what's, big. What's considered little clothing? Because some of the kids in this video are in swimsuits, and that would be considered little swimsuits clothing. Swimsuits are the exception. Depending on the swimsuit. Right, exactly, <laughs> depending on the swimsuit. Mm-hmm. But most of those were boys in swimsuits, and that doesn't count. It's only right. girl swimsuits. Those are the ones that matter. Yeah. yeah. Boys can wear Speedos and they'll get made fun of, but they won't be asked to change. Right. 
Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Sexist much? Yep. Yeah, I just hate that definition. It's too broad. Mm -hmm. Even for kids, that's way too broad. Right. Mm -hmm. and, because, and, again, what is too little clothing? Mm -hmm. I know what no clothing is. But, right. but then you have the issue of, like, um, like Greek nudes, right? Exactly. Like statues yeah. and paintings. And, yeah, like all mm -hmm. the, these different art exhibits and things. Um, there was a uh, an art exhibit that came to BYU um, at their uh, what is it their art hall or whatever, and uh, they had statues where they had uh, like some partial nudity, mm -hmm. and um, because they were art, BYU allowed it. But uh, apparently, there was one statue that had um, two two figures that were nude or partially nude, and they were like touching each other or kissing or something like that. And that was considered to be too graphic. And so they didn't allow that one. Um, Were these modern works? I can't remember. Mm. Maybe. Um, yeah, but it, I mean, the, the line is so hazy. It's like, how do you really draw that line? And how can one person draw that line for somebody else? Because yeah. so much of the, the uh, aversion towards pornography, pornography, mm -hmm. as the little kick says, um, <laughs> is that it makes you feel uncomfortable, which is one of the things that they talk about in this video mm -hmm. in a second. Right. But everyone has different levels of discomfort. Right. And different levels of imagination. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like the excuse for like women being modest because mm -hmm. men can't keep their, you know, their imaginations run wild with that oh, when they start yeah. imagining things. It's like, but that, I mean, that doesn't apply to every single boy, and that applies right. to a lot of girls. Mm -hmm. Like, certain things trigger certain responses in people, and it's not the same across the board. Right. And just because you, uh, say, don't expose your shoulders doesn't mean that they won't find something else to ogle. Exactly. You know? Right. <laughs> right. And a lot of the time when it's left up to the imagination, sometimes that can be even more harmful or can lead down a different path. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's not... I don't know. It's like pornography isn't just something that you see. Like pornography can be in your mind too, mm -hmm. just something that you imagine. Right. Anyone can learn to be safe in the ocean. Anyone can learn to keep their mind safe from pornography and have a great time in life. One of the ways Heavenly Father has given us to stay safe from pornography is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Bad pictures could be anywhere, on signs, computers, on phones, or in stores. These kinds of pictures give you a bad feeling because pornography offends the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost helps you feel that it's wrong. But they also create a feeling of curiosity that makes you... So that idea that you see um, a sexually explicit picture, mm -hmm. okay, and you feel bad, mm -hmm. and that that is the Holy Ghost talking to you, mm -hmm. I find that problematic. Uh, yeah, I get, yeah. I would agree with that. Because you're being taught that it's bad before mm -hmm. you actually experience it. Mm -hmm. It's like with Mormons and um, prohibiting swear words, mm -hmm. right? They say that when you swear, um, it drives away the spirit in, in the same kind of way. Mm -hmm. You know, you say a bad word and the spirit will not dwell with you and it mm -hmm. leaves you. And so you feel bad, mm -hmm. right? And it's that feeling that you need to be in tune with the spirit in order to recognize and all right. that kind of stuff. It will keep you on the right path. Right, and that goes into mm -hmm. even listening to other people say those words, which right. is why they won't even watch movies with mm -hmm. swearing in it. Yeah, and uh, the the reason, well, when I went to college and started studying um, a little bit in psychology, and came across the idea of conditioning, mm 
that just like opened my mind to all sorts of problems with religious teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody um, tells themselves over and over again that that the F word is bad, the F word is bad, the mm-hmm. F word is bad. If I ever hear the F word, the spirit's going to leave me. Mm-hmm. If I ever say the F word, the spirit's going to leave me. Um, then when they actually hear it or if they actually slip and say it, mm-hmm. they will feel bad. Mm-hmm. That is psychological conditioning. Mm-hmm. That's not anything mystical or supernatural or spiritual. Right. It's Pavlov's dogs. It's Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> it is absolutely Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. 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 And it's the same thing with this this whole concept of pornography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I have to over-enunciate that yeah. now because of that little kid. <laughs> it's Jeremy all over again. <laughs> Jeremy pornography. <laughs> Jeremy pornography. <laughs> That's uh, the next porn star's name. Yeah. That's disturbing. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, psychological conditioning. It explains so much about what this uh, this video is trying to teach the, the children mm-hmm. um, and condition them to uh, to respond to pornography pornography in a particular way. Right. Um, anyway, I don't like it. Defends the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost helps you feel that it's wrong. But they also create a feeling of curiosity that makes you want to look at more. Curiosity. Where do these feelings come from? You should pause it you see, there, actually. Your brain has a feeling part. There's something to say. Well, feelings of curiosity, like that just... Mm-hmm. That comes without even looking at porn. That comes mm-hmm. with the onset of puberty. Like that you comes start from one, sexual repression. It, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can be curious. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's a natural thing. It's a normal yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a normal thing to be curious about what sex is. Mm-hmm. That's why you end up having the conversation of the birds and the bees with your parents. Yeah. You know, because you are naturally curious to know what it is. Like, that is part of our human nature. And I think that you can actually have um, a healthy um, educational conversation with a child, even yeah. as young as these kids in the video, yeah. you know, 10, 12 years old, yeah. and, and show them the differences in bodies. Right. You know? Yeah. And not, it wouldn't even necessarily have to be in, an, in a sexually explicit kind of way, like, no. in a, like in an anatomical kind of way. Right. You know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if diagrams is the best, but, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, like, I remember as a kid, like... Like finding uh, like our old encyclopedias and like looking through stuff and finding pictures of um, you know women without clothes on and stuff and and just being like oh my gosh huh that's what it's like mm-hmm. you know right and, and, and I was probably about the same age as these kids you know mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't like make me you know just this depraved person or I didn't right. go like looking for more things right it didn't make you want to see your sisters with their, their shirts right. off right it, it was just like oh. Okay, now yeah, I know. Exactly. You know, and be, and before you uh, become sexually curious, like when you hit puberty, that is the normal response yeah. to seeing somebody um, naked. Right. You know, it, it's like you know when I was a kid, um, going to the public uh, swimming pool, right, and going to into the locker room, seeing old men naked. Okay. Oh, that's what they look like. That's what I'm going to look like when I get old. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it wasn't sexualized. It wasn't like this big traumatic experience. Um, it was just an educational experience. Yeah. See, and I had different experiences. It was sexualized for me. Like any time someone, even in a locker room, and it was a woman, mm-hmm. was like taking off her shirt or was naked in some fashion. It's like mm-hmm. my mom would turn us away. Don't look at that. You know. Oh. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think that's the large reason why I always had a hard time looking at myself naked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's. Yeah, and it, and that's 
that's the culture of shame yep. that the Mormon church has created or yep. revolving around sexuality. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't even think like my mom did it on purpose. You know, it's not like yeah. she wanted to villainize the human body or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just this, but that's, I don't know, it's this a, fear. It's, a, it's just a natural consequence of that shame and guilt culture, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I'll back this up a little bit. That makes you want to look at more. Where do these feelings come from? You see, your brain has a feeling part and a thinking part. The two parts work together. The feeling part of your brain reacts instantly to things around you with feelings such as fear, pleasure, anger, surprise, or attraction. Then, the thinking part of your brain helps you to think through whether your emotional reaction is proper, logical, and helpful. Pornography pulls at the feeling part like a magnet because it's triggering natural feelings of attraction. But the thinking part can remind it that these feelings were meant to be aimed at real people. Not phones, magazines, or bad pictures. They were meant to build strong relationships and families. Heavenly Father gave us strong feelings of love and attraction. Something about families. Yeah, families are, are where you're supposed to be attracted to, not phones. Don't be attracted to your phone. Be attracted to your family. <laughs> to others. These feelings have a powerful effect on the feeling part of our brains. Feelings of love help us build strong families. That's good. But pornography grabs those feelings and points them in the wrong direction. That hurts families. Pornography is dangerous, but here are some things that you can do to keep safe. First, when you see it, Call it what it is. Say, that's pornography. That's immodest. Or, that's a bad picture. Send a clear message to your brain that what you're seeing is not good. Second, turn it off or turn away. There's that conditioning. Mm -hmm. Pornography tries to lure you in to tempt you to want to see more. You know better than that. So turn it off and turn away. And third, talk to your mom, your dad, or a trusted adult. They love you and will help you. So, like these are, are fine suggestions for somebody that's at this age. Right. right? Yeah, for this a pre- kid is pre-pubescent, like eight or nine. Yeah, a prepubescent kid coming across this kind of material, not knowing how to process it, not mm-hmm. understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, like on, on that level, I'm fine with what they're saying. Right. But, but it can also lead into a constructive conversation about what mm-hmm. it is that they saw. Yeah. And why maybe they were curious about it. Yeah, but this idea of continuing that same sort of mentality mm. until you get married, I don't see any good coming from that. You know, it's it's like, um, I, I can't remember if we talked about this in an episode, if we just talked about it in our private conversation, but um, there's this trend within Mormonism where brides um, <laughs> end up spending their uh, their wedding night crying in the bathroom with the door locked because mm-hmm. they're so scared mm-hmm. to have sex for the first time mm-hmm. because all of those feelings of shame and guilt and body shaming and this idea that their their virtue is tied to their uh, virginity mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff um rhetoric that you get over the pulpit mm-hmm. um or in any sunday school class for a, a girl Young women's Sunday yeah, that, school those feelings, sacrament. Those feelings don't go away just because you get the green light to start having sex. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, like normal people, 
have this progression, mm-hmm. right? There's this, this, this whole idea of courtship, right? Mm-hmm. And Mormons kind of sort of do the courtship thing, but... It's but like I, accelerated on so many levels. Right, and, and then you get these, these people, like I, I know people that, uh, that saved their first kiss uh-huh. for their, their wedding. So do I. And, you know, it's, it's like... It's like that is no more virtuous than someone yeah. kissing every single person they come in contact with. Right, it, but, but they build up this culture where that's viewed as this admirable mm-hmm. thing. Like, oh, that's extra special, it's extra yeah. pure, uh-huh. extra virtuous, you know, and it's... And, and what it does is it stunts them emotionally and sexually right. so that when they are actually sexually, sexually active, they're not at the same level as their peers, mm-hmm. you know, like they're acting like, um, 14 year old kid that's at the movies with somebody that they like for the first time and they don't know how to act, mm-hmm. you know, but they're married to this person now, right. you know, right. yeah, mm-hmm. stunted. Yeah. So, okay, so we're almost done with the video. Here is uh, the kid uh, about to talk to his parents about what he just saw. You okay? You look like you got something on your mind. It might be hard to talk about seeing pornography at first, but it's the best thing you can do. Thanks for coming and talking to us. Can you tell us what happened? Just because you saw pornography and just because it made you curious or interested doesn't mean you're a bad person. Remember that many people love you. Jesus the Christ masturbation that makes Father you a bad person. You. No matter what. Sometimes one person just needs to be the bravest and say, guys, we shouldn't be watching that. Next. If you have gone back to look at more, don't let embarrassment stop you from talking to the grown-ups you trust and from talking to the Lord. Pray to Heavenly Father. If you talk to Him, He will help you. He has great blessings in store for you. And he wants you to be strong, wise, and good. He wants you to be safe, to protect your amazing body and experience the many joys and blessings that life has to offer. Have you seen these kinds of pictures? Now would be a great time to talk to your parents about it. So again, age appropriate. Most of it, I think, is age appropriate for prepubescent mm-hmm. ad- uh, kids. Right. right. I don't like the idea of you know suppressing it forever or relying on uh, Heavenly Father to like right. stifle your sexual urges mm-hmm. till you get married or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of things in there that perpetuate that you know cycle of guilt and shame mm-hmm. that uh, makes people think that they're addicted to pornography mm-hmm. when they're really not it's just the guilt cycle mm-hmm. um yeah anything else no okay so you're done with your mm-hmm. articles okay okay so we're gonna take a turn here and move away from pornography for a little bit oh actually for the rest of this <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like this could be a lengthy discussion, or we can keep it short. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But um, So I found these um, on Facebook again uh, a week and a half or so ago. It was actually shared by one of your aunts. Mm. The uh, Let's see. The, the title of the article that was on Facebook was called Pediatricians Call It What It Is, Child Abuse. 
Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I saved this one. I haven't actually read it though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I mean, the act, the article that she linked to isn't very like. It's just kind of a synopsis of a larger article. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to go over the one that was on Facebook, but um, okay. the link to it. So this one, pediatricians call it what it is, child abuse, um, is taken from another article called Gender Ideology Harms Children. So this is in hmm. regards to uh, transgender. Okay. Tran- I don't know, transgenderism? <laughs> is that a word? Is that proper? It is now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first off, I want to say um, that this was published um, by the American College of Pediatricians. So okay. it sounds pretty official. Yeah. Um, is it official? So I looked into it. Okay. I think before we get into the <laughs> article, we'll go over their qualifications maybe. Okay. So I went to their About Us page. Google them, found them. And so they are a fairly recent um, group of people. They mm-hmm. were formed in 2002. Basically, they um, were a group of pediatricians. It was started by a group of pediatricians that were concerned with the political rhetoric, quote-unquote, of mm-hmm. the day and where that was taking society. So you might already have some kind of a picture of what this so they formed of pediatricians. Is. They formed this group of pediatricians with a particular bias in mind. Yeah, that's fun. So I'm going to read their core values. So um, the American College of Pediatricians recognizes that there are absolutes and scientific truths that transcend relative social considerations of the day. Okay. Sounds okay, but do they hold to that? <laughs> Recognizes that good medical science cannot exist in a moral vacuum and pledges to promote science. Recognizes the fundamental mother-father-family unit within the context of marriage to be the optimal setting for the development and nurturing of children and pledges to promote this unit. Mm. Recognizes the unique value of every human life from the time of conception to natural death and pledges to promote research and clinical practice that provides for the healthiest outcome of the child from conception to adulthood. Wow. Recognizes the essential role parents play in encouraging and correcting the child and pledges to protect and promote this role. Recognizes the physical and emotional benefits of sexual abstinence until marriage and pledges to promote this behavior as the ideal for adolescence. Recognizes that health professionals caring for children must maintain high ethical and scientific standards and pledges to to promote such practice. Recognizes the vital role the college has in promoting quality education for parents, physicians, and other health professionals. So there are a couple of pretty obvious red flags in Mm -hmm. those. Um, It seems... uh they have a particular religious ideology in mind. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Or at the very least, a political agenda. Mm-hmm. Contrary to what they say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so as we go through this article, just keep that in mind. Because okay. um, honestly, some of the things... Like, I would classify this article as being um, mostly true but misleading mm-hmm. in, a lot of as- in, in a lot of respects. Um, so I'm going to read um, basically just their um, reasons for why they think that it's child abuse. Um, I guess I should start off by saying <laughs> I'm going to read this very first sentence. Okay. Okay. So it says the American College of Pediatrician urges educators and legislators to reject all policies that condition children to accept as normal a life of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex. Wait. So... So basically, they think that people that there are policies being set that um, 
are promoting the indoctrination of children to explore their gender and to possibly choose a different one. That's Which, not how this works. No, and I am not aware of any policies like in any government mm-hmm. <laughs> that advocates this. That no. is that is, the only thing that I can think of is that um, they are that people are urging parents not to um, not to make their child conform to the idea of you know being a girl or being a boy. Like you can only mm-hmm. play with certain toys because you are a girl. You can gender only participate. Yeah, that, gender yeah. roles. <laughs> I think that's where this idea comes from. But there aren't any policies in place no. for this. It's just a general societal view right now that mm-hmm. this we should be diverging from the typical gender roles right now. The, oh, my gosh. So, okay, so pediatricians work with kids, mm-hmm. um, generally infants, mm-hmm. um, and they focus mostly on medical needs. Mm-hmm. Gender identity, sexuality, homosexuality. It's a psychological thing. Psychological thing. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like, <laughs> like what are they doing? Like, they're, they're overstepping their uh, mm-hmm. area of expertise. You know? Right. They're so crossing I think, fields. I think um, where it kind of comes into play is they, t- they start talking about um, puberty-blocking hormones. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what their, their main concern is in this. Puberty-blocking hormones? Puberty-blocking hormones. So, like... You can take hormones that prevent you from going into puberty? Yeah, so I looked it up. Um, so there are, there are medications or drugs that you can take to um, basically... Uh, oh my gosh, my mind is just blank. Like <laughs> Stall delay, puberty, delay just puberty. It, yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean that it won't ever happen. It mm-hmm. just delays the onset of puberty. And the okay. reason that they have these puberty... Um, these drugs is so that children that, um, that are either that are curious or, um, identify as the other, as the opposite gender to which they were born Mm. can have more time like processing and exploring that other gender before they start taking like the actual hormones that will transition them. Does that make sense? Okay. So say you're a, a boy that identifies as a girl and they give you the hormones to delay puberty that allows you to act as a boy longer. Yeah. Is that that's yeah. what they're saying? Uh-huh. Before you change to be a girl. Right. And they're, are they supporting this or against this? They're against this. They're against this. Yeah. That sounds like something they would be for. <laughs> yeah, but they're against the entire idea of... Gender identity? What, of gender identity. Oh, I mean, they acknowledge that it's a thing and mm-hmm. that there is gender dysphoria. That's why this article is kind of misleading because mm-hmm. they, they acknowledge things that are real. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a little bit misleading. So I'm going to read through these. Okay. Okay. So the very first um, one that they say is human sexuality is an objective biological binary trait. XY and XX are genetic markers of health, not genetic markers of a disorder. Do you have anything... To say to that. So what? So <laughs> like, what? Does, and yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Why does that matter? Right. That's kind of what, how you can respond to most of these, really. Um, the second one is no one is born with a gender. Everyone is born with a biological sex. Gender, an awareness and sense of oneself as male or female, is a sociological and psychological concept, not an adje- objective biological one. I've heard that before. Um, that gender is different from a sex. Mm-hmm. Like you can... You can have the male organs, for mm-hmm. instance, but identify 
uh, gender-wise as a female. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of what they're saying. But again, so what? Right. So I have a quick question for you. Okay. So this whole idea, I mean, it's not an idea, but the concept of transgender is still fairly recent for me. Okay. Um, I keep hitting the microphone. Um, But so in this paragraph, when they go on to kind of explain it, one of the last sentences they say is people who identify as feeling like the opposite sex or somewhere in between do not comprise a third sex. So is being transgender considered a third sex? Because that's not something I'm familiar with. Well, there's lots of different classifications, and and in a lot of ways, they're still kind of sussing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, in a lot of ways, like sexuality, gender is kind of fluid. There's, mm-hmm. there's a, s- a sliding scale of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's people that are way, way masculine over here, and there's people that are way, way feminine over here, and there's everything in between. Oops. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that don't really identify as either gender. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've never met such a person, but I've, I've heard that they exist. Um, I, I mean, it, but again, like, so what? Like, what are, what are they really getting at with this? Right. Well, that was, that was kind of just why I asked the question. Because I, in my mind, from what little I've, you know, started, like, researching and, like, listening to people that are transgender talk, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't think they consider themselves to have a third sex. Like, they consider themselves to be either a man or a woman. Like, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they, that there's a third sex, right? I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's, like, this neutral middle ground. Like, they're not creating she-males. No. You know? I don't know. So I have a problem with that because I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> sure how accurate that is. Right. I, I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know. Okay. So moving on. So the third one is a person's belief that he or she is something they are not is at best a sign of confused thinking. So I know this is really offensive. So they're just saying to that, transgender people. Right. They're just saying that transgender people are just confused. Are confused. Right. Well, in a way, it probably is very confusing mm-hmm. to totally. to have male genitalia and identify, <laughs> and as, identify a woman. as a that woman. That would be very confusing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But what they're alluding to is that since it's just thinking, you know, it can be um, worked through, rectified. Like they uh-huh. can come to an understanding of, oh, I am actually a man, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's why it's offensive. Right. Because, because it's a legitimate disorder. Yeah. It's not one day, hmm, what would it be like if I was a actually a man? Mm-hmm. You know? It's not a whim. No. Yeah. And, and maybe we should add the disclaimer. Just because it's a disorder doesn't mean that um, it's somehow bad or, right. or, or an abnormal. Well, I guess abnormal, yeah. But not like... It, they can still It's not a moral thing. They, they can still right. have a normal life and that sort of thing. It's, it's classified as a disorder right now in the uh, DSM-5. Um, for the uh, you know psychologists and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, but you can still have a normal life. You can still um, you know transition and be happy mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. You know, it's it's like uh, any other mental condition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like depression, you can like there are treatments for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, bipolar disorder, there are treatments right. for it. Exactly. You know, and and there's there are ways to have a happy, healthy, mm-hmm. uh, normal life. Yeah. Despite um, this. I hate using the word condition, but uh, I can't think of a better word for it. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. they are just who they are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. So four, 
puberty is not a disease, and puberty-blocking hormones can be dangerous. Um, so the idea, the puberty blocking hormones are still a new idea for me too. So I haven't mm. done a ton of in research into them to see like what side effects or whatever they're actually talking about. I wonder how common that is. The blocking hormones. Yeah. I think it's probably becoming more common, um, because people, there's a greater awareness mm. of, of, um, transgender. Um, but yeah, I don't know how popular it is. Because I think, mm-hmm. especially right now, I, I think it's probably pretty common for more of, like, the adolescents and people that have already, you know, gone mm-hmm. through puberty to want to transition. And you can't take a puberty-blocking hormone if you've already gone through Started puberty. It, yeah. So this is really just for young children. Um, mm-hmm. From what little research I have done, it, um, from what I saw is, like... Um, between the ages of three to five is when individuals start to identify as either male or female. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where this starts to come into play. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I don't have kids. I, I would imagine that Wait, as a what? parent, yeah, I'm surprised, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just thought you should know. <laughs> Maybe I should rephrase that. We don't have kids. There we go. <laughs> and, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, as a parent, I mean, maybe this just shows my own ignorance. If I had a five-year-old saying that they identified as a different gender than what they were, I wouldn't jump to, you know, blocking puberty hormones or whatever or anything like that. It's not something that they start taking when Mm -hmm. they're three or five years old. Mm -hmm. This is something that they take just before puberty starts. So like like between 11, 11, 13 years old, this is Mm -hmm. when it starts. They don't start taking it as soon as like their child says that they are actually a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of like markers in place that they have to meet. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just, you don't just go to the drugstore or your, you know, pediatrician and say, Hey, I'm actually a boy. So I need this drug. Right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying like, I don't know if I could actually put my child through that. Mm. You know, puberty blocking hormones, right? Like I would probably, as a parent, um, opt for them to go through pu- puberty as they are, mm-hmm. and then make the decision to change later on, like mm-hmm. as an adult kind of thing. So, but that was my initial thought too. Mm-hmm. But some of what I briefly read brings up the p- fact that like gender, like people with gender dysphoria, quite often are very, very uncomfortable and hate their bodies. Yeah the way that they are. Mm-hmm. They feel like they, they are supposed to have like male genitalia, but they mm. are a girl. And so going through puberty, they start growing these breasts and it just becomes this self-loathing type of thing because mm-hmm. they are becoming this thing that they, they, that they aren't. Mm-hmm. And so it can cause lots of like depression. It can, you know, it can lead yeah. to more serious side effects. So I see both of both sides, mm-hmm. you know, because so, I had, I have very similar thoughts. Like a young child stunting the puberty or whatever. Like, it is kind how of. How long concerning. does it stunt it? It. I think it's for however long you want. From again, mm-hmm. from what little I've read, it only delays it. As soon mm-hmm. as you stop taking the drugs, your body goes through puberty. Mm-hmm. It's not preventing it from ever happening. Mm-hmm. It's just delaying it a little while. I don't know if there's, like, a time limit on it, how long you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like taking it for a long period of time could be socially damaging, too, because if right. you're a girl um, who identifies as a boy, you know, yeah. you're going to have that high squeaky voice for a lot longer than your male peer, peers. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a boy identifying as a girl is not going to grow breasts 
and is going, you know, mm -hmm. there are consequences either way. So I think it just depends on the individual child, really. Yeah. Boy, that's a, that's a quagmire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so moving on to number five. Um, according to the DSM-5, as many as 98% of gender-confused boys and 88% of gender-confused girls eventually accept their biological sex after naturally passing through puberty. Um, so this is one mm -hmm. of those true but kind of misleading mm -hmm. statements. Um, it's the DSM-5 actually gives like a range of percentages. This mm -hmm. is just the highest percentage. Oh, okay. Um, so it says that natal males, which are born male, 2.2% mm -hmm. um, to 30% persist through adolescence, the gender dysphoria or mm -hmm. whatever. And then for females, it's 12% to 50%. So this kind of um, goes back to the idea that this is just a phase you know, don't yeah. do anything rash because it yeah. is just a phase, um, which I understand that too, but right. I don't know. It, that was just interesting. I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't know about the statistic at all. I thought if you had gender dysphoria, it was just this encompassing thing. Yeah. You were always going to feel like you were actually the other gender, but mm -hmm. apparently you're not, but it's also just kind of misleading. It is very misleading. Because that makes it sound like most people that identify as a male or a female will go back will to go the back. normal yeah. trend. But yeah. I also found in an article that a lot of them that start with gender, that have gender dysphoria, but um, it, and it doesn't persist through adolescence, mm -hmm. like natal males end up, you tend to end up being like gay. And wow. then, um, I can't remember what the female was. Something similar. Mm -hmm. A lesbian? So, no. It, no. <laughs> I can't remember. I should have saved that article, but yeah. So, so they're still not going to be like the heter. Most of the time, they're still not going to be the heterosexual mm. male or heterosexual female. Like there are, you know, there's still things going on. Right. So gender dysphoria, <laughs> if they don't go through with that, like through adolescence, mm -hmm. um, it can turn into something else. Right. Or it, it may be a, an indicator of something else going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, so six. Children who use puberty blockers to impersonate the opposite sex will require cross-sex hormones in late adolescence. Cross-sex hormones, which are testosterone and estrogen, are associated with dangerous health risks, including but not limited to high blood pressure, blood clots, stroke, and cancer. Again, I haven't done any research on that, so I can't speak mm -hmm. to any of that. So we'll move on. Because okay. I don't have anything else to add either. Uh, seven, rates of suicide are 20 times greater among adults who use cross-sex hormones and undergo sex reassignment surgery, even in Sweden, which is among the most LGBTQ-affirming countries. Um, oh, my gosh. What they say after, let me read what they say okay. after this real quick. Okay. What compassionate and reasonable person would condemn young children to this fate, knowing that after puberty, as many as 88% of girls and 98% of boys will eventually accept reality and achieve a state of mental and physical health? That's just kind of infuriating. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to read it. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> but what were you going to say? Well, uh, okay. So the idea that um, people who go through a, a process of gender reassignment or whatever, or what is it? Well, they, I think it's gender reassignment. Is it, is that, that's what it's called, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
that they're at a higher risk of suicide. It's like the, I mean, there are similar, similar statistics for uh, homosexuals mm-hmm. that say that homosexuals are at a higher risk of suicide or atheists are at a higher risk of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and a lot of people will point to those statistics and say, see, this is why you shouldn't be an atheist. This right. is why you shouldn't be gay. This mm-hmm. is why you shouldn't do this or that because you're at a higher risk of killing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not an indicator that those um, lifestyles or worldviews are bad. It's an indicator that society has ostracized and mm-hmm. alienated them and put them on the fringes of, of society yep. and uh, has done terrible, horrible things to them mm-hmm. um, throughout history mm-hmm. and that those uh, terrible things still continue. Right. Um, yeah. And the suicide rates are high on both sides. Really? Yeah. So I actually watched a video today, <laughs> mm. which was linked to another story I read today. Mm. Um, about a family with a young child, born female, but identified as a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, this was their first child. They were very familiar with what, you know, transgender and what that entailed or whatever. And so they started doing research when their daughter started saying things like, I'm a boy, and insisting that she was a boy, and rejecting things that were feminine and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really changed, like, the way they approached everything was when they discovered that people that weren't, I don't know if allowed is the right word, but weren't allowed to like transition or be or identify the way that they wanted to identify. Mm-hmm. There's a 41% rate of suicide among those people. Mm-hmm. And that terrified these, the, this, these parents right. because you know, it's like, do I want to have a dead daughter or do I want to have a, an, an alive son? Yeah. You know, that's what it came down to for them. So it's like, it's on both ends of this, there are high rates mm-hmm. of suicide. Because but I think we, the one is a little more fixable. Yeah. Because re- regardless of which direction a person chooses to go anatomically, mm-hmm. it's still um, very much um, a disparaged segment of society. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. They are ostracized. Mm-hmm. They're beat up. Yeah. Just look at, <laughs> look at the, uh, the whole debacle with the transgender bathrooms going on yeah. right now. You know, and mm-hmm. all of that nonsense mm-hmm. and all of the vitriol that's been spewing out from the religious right yeah. about, you know, an issue that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's a psychological issue and they're yeah. treating it like a moral issue. Right. It's the exact same thing that they've been doing with the gay community for, mm-hmm. for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're just turning it towards transgender people now, mm-hmm. um, which is deplorable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the last one. Um, is conditioning children into believing that a lifetime of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex is normal and healthful is child abuse. So, well, I mean, first off, I have a huge issue with conditioning. Right, the way that they're framing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Parents aren't aren't conditioning their children to identify as the opposite sex. Like, parents aren't having a girl and because they wanted a boy aren't trying to get that girl to become a boy. Mm-hmm. That's not what's going on here. No. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I do remember in one of my classes at BYU, it was a, I think it was human biology. I think that's what it was called. And it was, it was done by a guy who actually specializes in um, farm animals, mm-hmm. in particular pigs. Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> He's teaching human anatomy um, with his area of expertise in mm-hmm. swine. Um, anyway, overall, he was a fine teacher. But he did this this class um, 
uh, he did one lecture where it was all about gender, and he talked about all of these things that can go wrong um, during pregnancy mm -hmm. that can affect gender identity, um, the genitalia that actually grow, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, and, and there's lots and lots of different factors that can go into a person's gender that can, in a sense, go wrong or go awry, mm -hmm. uh, go differently than the way that they might, you know, be, might, might be considered normal. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's like, and, and how is this an, an, a moral issue? Right. Like, this is biology. This is psychology. Mm -hmm. Like, there's chemicals in the brain, and there's chemicals going through, like, the, the, the you know, the womb during pregnancy right. that affect these things. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. So, <laughs> on that, so where I think, I don't think this is a legit moral argument, uh -huh. but I think where it comes from is the idea of God making a mistake. So mm -hmm. he formed a girl in the womb who identifies as a boy. That's admitting that God made a mistake. Right, right but how do they explain Down syndrome? You know, or somebody being born without a limb. Right. You know. Right. They're classifying that as a trial. They won't classify the other one as a as a trial. But, but it's, I know. I'm just, I mean, I don't think it's right. I, I don't I, I, think I know. it. And I, and I don't mean to direct it at you. It's just, it's a maddening argument. It's, it's, it is. It's an ignorant argument. Right. You know. Right. And I, yeah, I really started thinking about that the last week or so, like why, why they're so against transgendered people and gay mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And I, I mean, in the context of my Mormon upbringing, um, according to the plan of salvation, we were who we are now mm -hmm. in the preexistence. Yeah. So it's like, if you are transgendered, it's like admitting that somewhere between the pre-existence crossing through the veil and coming to earth, mm -hmm. a mistake was made automatically discounts God's right. omnipotence. <laughs> right. Which is just one more example in the way that religion can truly screw people over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. But that's, I'm, I'm uh, guessing and, and even, pretty sure that's where it comes yeah, from, even, the moral argument comes from. And even a, a religious idea that on the surface seems so, so nice and warm and welcoming and, and uh, you know, encourages people to join the Mormon church. You know, this idea of eternal families and we've all been with each other for eternity and blah, blah, blah. And um, it's all hunky-dory, you know, but there's that underlying issue of, what about people that don't make it? What about people that change? What about, you know, like me, like leaving the church and uh, my parents are distraught because I won't join them in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same kind of idea is this, you know, gender identity thing. Like right. somebody switches, switches gender while they're on earth. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's going to screw up the plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> so now this, this thing that on the surface seems so nice and welcoming, um, has this weird, um, distorted uh, kind of consequence in reality. Mm -hmm. You know, this mm -hmm. unintended way that it just screws people over. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. But that other story that um, I read today, I don't mm -hmm. remember, I'm not going to pull it up or anything, but um, it was written by a lady mm -hmm. who, um, she was like one of four girls or whatever, the second of four girls. And she grew up and, you know, she grew up as, you know, being 
very much a tomboy. You know, she had the shorter hair. Mm -hmm. She wore more masculine clothes. She participated in masculine activities and stuff. And she compared her upbringing and still being a woman and like having, uh, you know, having a family, being married, um, having children or whatever, to another story of a transgendered um, um, boy named Ryland, which is the video that I was kind of talking about who from mm. the age of three identified as a boy, mm. you know, and she compared. So the way she framed the article, it made it sound like the um, parents decided for the child that she was going to be a boy. Okay. Does that make sense? And that they were, you know, inflicting these puberty blocking drugs already on this child but watching the video they haven't done any of that yet Uh like they they accepted that their daughter identified as a boy Mm. they took him to all of these clinics all of these doctors Mm. to like figure out what was going on and they all came to the same conclusion you know Mm. he was a transgendered boy you know and so when that you know when that came out they they were like okay you can cut your hair We'll buy you masculine clothing, you know, mm. like, like change their room. They changed everything. They even sent out um, a letter to like friends and family saying, mm-hmm. this is what's going on. And you need to start, you know, referring to our son as our son. Yeah, and, be sensitive yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, it's like this misunderstanding that they're a willful misunderstanding, mm-hmm. I feel like, of the issue. It's yeah. like I grew up as a tomboy too. You know, this lady's story, I identified with very closely. It was extremely similar to mine. Mm -hmm. But it's very different from this, from Ryland's story, (laughs) you know? Right. There's that fundamental difference. Yeah, there is a (laughs) fundamental difference. And a lot of the comments actually pointed that out. It's like, Mm -hmm. you are missing the point. Like, your Mm -hmm. story is completely different from this boy's story. Yeah. And it's like, it's that issue that that they're just missing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. No. Yeah, there's just a lot of crazy stuff. Just a lot of ignorance. With, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And why you would want to willfully inflict that on a child mm-hmm. that didn't already identify that way. And that's basically mm-hmm. what the boy's dad said. He's like, I didn't want to accept this because who wants that for this, for their child? Right. But he is so much happier now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, there is a huge difference in the way he presents himself and the way he talks. Like he's so happy being mm-hmm. who he is now. I don't know. It's just crazy. Interesting. Well, good for the boy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then they started talking about the puberty drugs. Like they haven't, given them to him yet he's only eight now or something mm-hmm. like that too and it's some it. yeah mm-hmm. i mean he's too young for it and it's not something that they like they still are considering whether or not they want to do that mm-hmm. you know so it's not something you have to do if you want to transition it's just an option yeah so which again i think was misleading about this article mm-hmm. because yeah. they make it sound like anyone who just suddenly decides wakes up one day and is like mm, i think i'd rather be a boy can go into a doctor and say i need these drugs like and switch. they will be given it to them mm-hmm. but they won't like there are markers they look yeah. for these things and if they reach all of them then it's like okay well, I next mean, step even as an adult who who wants to change your your sex um you have to have written consent mm-hmm. from i think it's two psychiat- psychiatrists yeah 
um, saying that you've gone through this process, you've mm-hmm. done hormone therapy for a year, yeah, you've gone exactly. to counseling and, and uh-huh. had like countless hours of therapy, mm-hmm. and and they sign off on you um, getting the surgery done. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know. it's a huge long process, yeah, and that's for an adult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine what it would be for a child. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So is that it? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at skepticsquaredpodcast at gmail.com. Our blog is at www.skepticsquaredpodcast.blogspot.com. And we will see you next time on the Skeptic Squared Podcast. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>